Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. I kid you not, everybody asked me, Morgan, were you scared? Were you scared, Morgan? No, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared at all on my introductory flight at Hartford Brainerd Airport. Now, I know it's odd because people who know me know that, uh, for instance, I don't like going into water. I'm always afraid of the water, particularly because of, you know, snakes and Lord only knows what else is in water, oceans and all of that. So, you know, people were surprised to hear that I was not afraid at all to go up on a private flight with Michael Tiger, who who is a private pilot and a certified flight instructor. And he's got his plane there at Hartford Brainerd Airport. And I think that if you listen to the whole hour, you'll understand why I was not afraid. In fact, I'm more nervous going on one of the big planes than I am on one of the private ones. And that's weird, I know. But basically, it's because I got to know the pilot. I got to sit and talk with Michael. I watched him check his plane before we took it out. I watched him do the run-up, and he tested everything literally with me about two feet to his right. And so I I did not feel afraid. I did not feel afraid. All right, but that brings me to a, a, to answer another question that I got. Why? First question I would get from people when I told them about the flight was, were you scared? The other question that I got was, why did you do it in the first place? Well, the reason why I went there is because there seems to be this overall myopia that people have. They don't understand what a general aviation airport is. To be honest with you, until I went on this flight, which was about a month ago, I didn't know. I did not know a whole lot about general aviation. There is something also that's going on at Hartford Brainerd Airport, and I wanted to get a better understanding by going to the airport itself. There's a huge political issue going on with the airport right now. BFJ Planning is conducting a $1.5 million study about the current uses of Hartford Brainerd Airport, and they're also looking into alternative uses for the land on which the airport sits. In other words, is it feasible to get rid of the airport and put something else in its place? There are some folks who are interested in making it mixed-use development like uh, housing, entertainment, shopping, a marina, things like that. But there are some problems that are facing this whole project. Number one, you've got an airport there, but also it's next to, I mean, real, literally right next to it, sandwiched between the Mira Trash to Energy Plant, which is decommissioned, the Connecticut River that has a dike to prevent flooding, and also the MDC wastewater treatment facility right to its south, right south of the airport. And so this study is looking into, is it feasible or not to get rid of the airport and do something else there, or is it sensible to keep it as an airport, not to mention environmental concerns such as getting rid of the airport and disrupting coal tar contamination that is underneath the 200-some acres below the airport surface. And so there's that big political issue. It's something that's coming up a lot in the race for the mayoral election coming up in November. And the primary is coming up this Tuesday. You've got three primary Democratic mayoral candidates in Hartford. State Senator John Fonfero, who's in favor of redeveloping the land. He says, get rid of the airport. Eric Coleman is in favor of keeping the airport. And candidate Arunan Arulampalam wants more conversation with the community on what should be done with the land, and he wants to see the final report, which is coming out less than a month from now in October. But but part of the, the overall confusion that a lot of people have, and I also had, was that this is just folks who fly for fun, 
people with lots of money, they've got planes and they go out and they go wherever. That's not necessarily true, although that's part of the activity at Hartford Brainerd Airport. It's so much more. You've got the Hartford Jet Center, which supports various flight needs. Aqualine drones, this is very interesting, and I was fascinated to go there and get the behind the scenes of Hartford Brainerd Airport and find a drone business that's actually there, and they're developing various different kinds of drones and uses for drones, including window washing and cleaning, which we'll get to a little later this hour. There's VIP avionics and total aircraft parts, which are aircraft supply stores that sell autopilot systems, aircraft instrumentation, and much more. They also do installation and repairs. There's a doctor on site who works with pilots who have to go through periodic medical evaluations, flight schools, and there are also, um, this, is, this is cute, I like this, this is the Experimental Aircraft Association, EAA, Chapter 166. They basically guide new participants on education and participation in aviation, particularly from a young age. They're known to take school children up and encourage them to be a pilot, and they take them up on introductory flights. So with all of that in mind, to answer the why, I had two questions. What is general aviation? That was question number one. And can I get an answer? Because I'm not getting an answer from the politicians. I'm not getting an answer from other reporters or journalists in the state who've been focusing on the political issue, but I don't think, honestly, any of them have actually gone to the airport and explored it. And I wanted to know what was happening, what is happening, at Hartford Brainerd Airport. So that was the catalyst for our Spotlight Connecticut this week. Michael Tiger's my guest, and yes, I do have audio from the flight. WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Kevin in Seymour, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. I'm Morgan Cunningham, and we will play audio from that flight a little later this hour, maybe after the halfway point. It's a lot of fun, but I want to get to some of the more serious topics first. And I think that what we should ask Michael Tiger who is president of the Hartford Brainerd Airport Association. He invited me in for a behind-the-scenes look, took me up on that introductory flight, which was so much fun. No, I wasn't afraid. He's also a certified flight instructor as well. I think that we need to address, Michael, the very first question that people have. What is general aviation? I bet the vast majority of the listeners don't know that there are 5,000 airports in America. 80% of all flying is general aviation. Now everybody who flies is familiar with jet travel. You sit behind, uh, you sit in a 737 or an Embraer and you go from city to city and you don't really think about the process. You just know you get from one place to the other. But general aviation is a whole world of activity with planes that is not that. Having been there, I can confirm that in fact, That is the truth, that it's a lot more than that. And I think that the next best question here that's kind of in line with what is general aviation, what happens at a general aviation airport, Michael? Talking about general aviation includes things like private flying, just the pleasure of owning an airplane. But we also do a ton of things more down there. We uh, are very involved with aviation education and teaching pilots how to fly. In fact, 50% of flights at Brainerd Airport are training flights to teach people how to fly. Uh, And we saw some of those. And we saw a lot of those. I want to hasten to add that we put out almost 100 pilots a year with a private pilot certificate. 20, 25% of those people are young, and they go on to make aviation a career and become airline pilots. 
Uh, people learn how to fly at grass strip airports or general aviation airports like ours. People learn how to fly right from places like Brainerd Airport. And there are other businesses that support aviation at the airport, which I ran down a few of them at the beginning of the hour. But for those of you who are just joining, I mean, there's Learn to Fly CT, which is a flight school, ATP flight school there at Hartford Brainerd Airport, um, a Hartford Jet Center, Aqualine Drones, which is unrelated. And also you have businesses that directly support airplanes, VIP avionics, total aircraft parts. So there's more activity. There are more businesses at that general aviation airport in Hartford and others as well, correct? In addition, we have several businesses that are on the airport that promote the safety, the care and handling of general aviation aircraft. We have an avionics shop that services the entire New England area called VIP Avionics. We have uh, aircraft parts supplies that is hosted by uh, Total Aircraft down at Brainerd Airport. And we have business people who fly in and out all the time in, in their private jets that promote business activity within the greater Hartford community. There are a lot of business people who don't want to deal with the major airports, the 50 or so major airports that we're all familiar with, LaGuardia or O'Hare or uh, Boston's Logan. And smaller business jets can fly in and out of general aviation airports much easier. We've talked a little bit about drones on Spotlight Connecticut today. My guest, Michael Tiger. Michael, I think a lot of people, maybe they don't know what drone activity is actually happening at the airport. What activities there? The future development of technology, such as drone operations, electric aircraft, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, the, the old Jetsons private uh, aircraft that can go from your driveway uh, to, to your business, is becoming a reality now. We have a very active drone operation called Aqualine Drones, which is based at the airport, run by a fellow who has brought drone activity to the public. And his concentration right now is to use drones to power wash windows in high-rise buildings. That's an innovation that's incredibly exciting, and you can imagine that the future is huge, and you won't have the scaffolding and the dangerous operations with somebody trying to wash windows from the outside because drones will be able to take over that operation. We did actually stop in, and we visited him. His name is Barry, who runs Aqualine Drones, and he actually opened up the doors, and he showed me all of the drones that were there. I don't I don't know. I didn't do a count, but I'd say there are about 100, and they're all different sizes. And uh, I was really impressed just by the quick glance that I got at the technology and the quick tour that I had. But he also had added that there's an advantage that he has in being at that airport because of the air traffic control tower that he coordinates with them on flying his drones. But what else, Michael, do you know about drones? What else can people do with them? Surveillance for industry. They do uh, police work. They do fire surveillance, many different activities like crop dusting, and that's the way of the future. These activities are supported by general aviation airports. just can't be handled by the big places. You mentioned just a few minutes ago, Michael, vertical takeoff and landing. Can you go into that a little bit more? I think this is something that people have been thinking about and TV shows have been promising since the 1960s. It was a sci-fi concept that is now here, at least in limited capacity. 
one of the highest venture capital efforts now in America is to develop vertical takeoff and landing private aircraft, which is extremely exciting. And instead of having a uh, airport... Is that a flying car? That would be a flying car, an individual flying car powered by an iPad that would uh, manage takeoff and landing automatically, increasing safety. Now we're talking about things like a vertiport, a vertiport, which is a smaller runway that would manage takeoffs that go up vertically and then forward. Uh, you know, they've been promising this since the 1960s. <clears throat> they've been thinking about this since the Jetsons. It's here. Things like regulatory issues, who controls the airspace, how you move these aircraft in and out of an airspace needs to be worked out. It needs FAA certification. But these very cool personal airplane cars are present and functioning right now. Before I went to the airport and I told people I was going, I told people I was doing a talk show about Hartford Brainerd Airport and general aviation as a whole, just an introductory lesson, if you will, for the listening audience here on WTIC. I also told folks that I was going up in the plane and everybody was like terrified. My parents, my mother was supportive a little bit, but my dad was particularly nervous. All of my friends that I told, they were nervous and yet I did not feel nervous at all. And I think part of that, Michael, is because you and I had sat down previously and talked about airplane safety and your knowledge of aircraft and how you've been involved in flying for just about 40 years. Then we sat down at the airport that morning in the pilot lounge, which was pretty cool. I'll probably never, ever again in my life get to go to a pilot lounge, but that was awesome. And we talked for another hour about airplane safety. So in general, could you tell the audience about airplane safety from your perspective? Contrary to popular belief, aviation is incredibly safe, and statistics bore that out over and over again. I feel safer flying in the airspace than I do taking my car and driving home from the <laughs> airport after a flight. Right. And there are many reasons for this. And as you know, the airline industry in general has a wonderful safety record for the major airlines. Now, there are rules and regulations that are extremely strict about how you manage your aircraft, how you take care of it, how you have it inspected, the training you have to go through in order to become a private pilot. It's not a learn by the seat of your pants practice makes perfect. It's learning the rules that need to be done and then being tested by aviation examiners to give you the right to fly. Everybody can drive a car. Not everybody can fly an aircraft. There are medical rules. Every pilot who flies general aviation has to get a physical examination every two years to make what sure. What are they looking for? Is your vision okay? Can you see well? Can you hear well? Can you listen to the radio with your ears? Are you able to read and understand English? Do you have the physical capability of manipulating the controls? Is your heart and lungs good? Do you have diabetes? And might you go into a diabetic crisis while you're flying? Do you have a cardiac issue that would restrict you because of a cardiac insufficiency? Most everybody can pass the physical as long as they maintain relatively good health. But for example, an epileptic would never be able to fly because you can imagine the issue if he had a seizure in the cockpit. You cannot get a pilot certificate medically if you have history of depression, history of psychiatric disease, history of alcoholism that's required treatment. And I don't know how you feel, but I feel that's incredibly safe and proper. Does this differ for commercial pilots compared to what we did, which was a private flight? 
I'm totally in favor of the medical restrictions. Airline pilots have to get their physicals every six months by a certified aviation medical examiner who goes through the physical examination and the history as carefully as is necessary. I was an aviation medical examiner for about 22 years during my career as a, a doc, and I examined literally thousands of pilots, either private, for the airlines, uh, just to make sure that they were safe to fly. And by getting a certificate, you're certifying that the pilot is capable of safely handling the aircraft. Before we go to the break, and when we get back from the break, we're going to play what I was able to record up in the sky and also on the ground as well, leading up to getting into the sky. But one general thing that I noticed was it was disorienting for me because I usually don't fly. I have flown before, but they were always in a larger plane. I didn't always have a window seat. And yet when I was up there with you and there I am basically in the co-pilot seat and I'm looking around and I could see the highway, but I couldn't quite tell what I was looking at. Why was it disorienting? Oh, sure. I mean, air travel primarily is to get a person from one place to the other in the air. In order to do that, you have to navigate. And it is a different world up there, but like any sort of navigation, it takes practice and understanding of of compass headings, of uh, geography from the air. Imagine the same thing if you were uh, in your private boat and you were going from one major area to the other and you couldn't see anything but water. You'd have to navigate by instruments. Just training takes the mystery out of aviation. I was amazed at the amount of redundancy as well. For instance, you have the artificial horizon, a GPS tool. Not only do you have each one as a main component, but you have a backup to the main component, and in some cases a backup to the backup. That's for safety. I've been flying a long time, and over the years you accumulate experience, and uh, you want to think about safety and the what if something goes wrong, what do I do? You start with... You start with small airplanes, you start with basic instruments, you learn how to fly the airplane. But as time goes on, you want to add on the safety factor. Now, make sure all your listeners know that airplanes don't just fall out of the sky. It happens from time to time. Of course. And uh, I hate to say this, but even the private pilot will occasionally run out of gas up in the air. There's no excuse for that, but we, we have the human element no matter what. On the other hand, airplanes are inspected by strict FAA rules annually. They are maintained carefully. I never fly without making sure that all my instruments work. I never run out of fuel because I'm always conscientious about filling up the tank. We checked that. And yes, we did. And I also check myself because I'm not going to want to go flying if I have an illness or a fever, I'm not feeling well, then I'm not safe to fly. He's Michael Tiger, president of the Hartford Brainerd Airport Association. I'm Morgan Cunningham, and when we get back from the break, audio of my introductory flight, a can't miss. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. The focus of today's program is not so much on the political issue that I outlined at the beginning of the hour over what to do with the land at Hartford Brainerd Airport in Hartford. We had done a show on that on my public affairs show, Face Connecticut, on Sunday mornings a number of months ago. You can find that audio on the WTIC.com website if you're interested in more of an in-depth conversation about the issue pertaining to that. The whole goal that I had with this program was to sit down with Michael Tiger, who is the president of the Hartford Brainerd Airport Association, and learn a little bit more about general aviation. Because to be honest with you, 
until this whole news story surfaced about the issues surrounding the land at Hartford Brandard Airport, I didn't know much about general aviation other than that I have flown a few times and I know that people fly as private pilots, but I really didn't know what happened at a general aviation airport. And one thing that I think is lacking from all media coverage in Connecticut of this story and this issue in Hartford politically is that nobody has that much of an in-depth look at general aviation. It's kind of a mystery to people, myself included. And I work in the news, and I said that my solution was to actually find out and bring that to everybody on WTIC. And, of course, our station here does not necessarily have a shyness from flying, if you will. And now, WTIC's Air One and AAA's Mike Allen. Come in, Mike. Mike Allen loved that guy, and he flew WTIC's Air One for years, and he flew out of a private airport, Simsbury Airport, at least for very much of that time. I don't know so much about later years, but definitely when we started doing the airplane reports, he was flying out of a general aviation airport in Connecticut, and it was the Simsbury Airport. Now for the fun part. I was able to go up with Michael, who is not only a pilot, but he also is a certified flight instructor as well. He took me up in the plane, and I was able to record a little bit. It was loud, so I didn't know quite how well it recorded, but it came out okay. And I'm going to play some of that audio for you now. It started with the pre-flight check. So before we even took the plane out of the hangar, we walked around it, and he showed me everything that he checks on the outside of the plane, including fuel. That's very important. All of it is important, but especially fuel, right? So he showed me all of the things that he checked to make sure that the plane was in good repair, enough to be taken out of the hangar. And then he had a device that took the plane, which is a Piper Saratoga, seats six. We took it out of the hangar. Then we got inside. I climbed up over the wing, and I got into essentially the co-pilot seat, and there he was getting started with this whole flight experience that I was about to embark on. It started simply with starting it up. Start the plane. All right. So now he's getting it started. Pumping fuel into it. Clear. It's starting. And there it is. Yes. Those propellers put off quite a breeze. They really do. So the plane has started. And now we let it idle for a bit. And then we taxi over to the runway. And there at the runway, we make communication with air traffic control, which is at Hartford Brainerd airport they have their own atc we would later talk to bradley airport and their air traffic control but to get started we started with the atc at brainerd and then we did what's called the run-up which is one last check of all of the equipment testing everything that there is to test with the engine making sure that all the instruments are in working order and people go through this on the big plane as well. It's just you're in the back and you don't quite see it. You don't know what's going on. But he showed me everything that he checked. We spent a few minutes there. The engine's continuing to warm up. He sets the flats to proper position for takeoff. Again, we're communicating with Hartford Brainerd Air Traffic Control. We get clearance for takeoff. So here it is, the final moments before we take off. He releases the parking brake. We continue to let it idle, and then he throttles it up, and you'll know. Once 
I'm in the center line, I get this little throttle. You'll hear it. Wait for it. If I don't like it, I can record. Quite loud. It was quite loud. Let me tell you. There it is. And now when it's up to full throttle, we're racing down the runway and we're taking flight. We're leaving Hartford's Brainerd Airport and then right as we get into the sky, we connect to Bradley Airport and we talk to their air traffic control and we took off for about 40 minutes, circled all over Connecticut. I went and saw my house from the sky even. And here I am at some point in western Connecticut talking. This is Morgan Cunningham, WTIC News Talk 1080 in the sky. Somewhere over, where are we, Bristol? Western Connecticut. Just north of Bristol. And maybe this is recording. Yeah, I didn't know if it was recording because it was so loud and it was giving me the red warning light that it was super loud. And so... I was taking a gamble, but hey, it turned out okay. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight, Connecticut. We'll continue in minutes talking about my flight at Brainerd. WTIC in Hartford. Hi, this is JoJo Shetty McGregor. I'm the first female helicopter news and traffic reporter in North America. And I'm also the widow of the late, great Byron McGregor. You might remember him from being the voice of the Americans, the spoken word record. And I'm listening to Spotlight, Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. I have to do it. I have to play it again because it's this audio to me that sums up this whole experience. Sitting there on the runway and waiting for takeoff, which is just literally seconds away. When that throttle gets super loud, you'll hear it. That's when we go screaming down the runway. Once I'm in the center line, I get a full throttle. Right here. If I don't like it, I can afford To me... This was the best part of the experience, and I was totally calm. I was. People think that I was absolutely nervous, but I wasn't. I was a little nervous at one point during the flight, and I'll get to that in a moment. But getting back to the conversation with Michael Tiger about Hartford Brainerd Airport and everything that's going on there as a general aviation airport and trying to bring more of this to the public, you say it's important to know your pilot which is next to impossible when you're flying one of the big planes, but not impossible when you have a private flight. Why do you say that? Absolutely, yes. Um, It is so typical for people to fear the unknown. And once they know the details of what they're getting into and experience it, uh, the flight itself, they come back realizing that wasn't so bad. I just didn't have any awareness of what was going on. I've probably taken 100 people up for intro flights over the years that I've been flying, and that's the most common response. Fear of the unknown makes people afraid. If you sit in the back of an airline, you don't know what's going on in the front, and you feel turbulence. And you, you Not think at all. That, you think that the airplane is about to fall out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Everything about aviation is not mysterious. It's all written. We have strict rules and regulations and uh, just knowing what's going on, as you experienced, makes things uh, a whole different world. I had the headphones on the whole time, and I could hear Michael talking with air traffic control. We had total constant communication with ATC, whether it was at Brainerd or with Bradley International Airport. But we had constant communication with ATC the whole time, and I was amazed Absolutely amazed at the level of communication and oversight that there was. 
Which brings me to that moment, maybe five seconds, where I was a little bit nervous because there was one point during our flight that we had to change a little bit of our direction at the guidance of ATC. We were about, I don't know, 2,500 feet up in the air. Uh, We didn't go too terribly high, but there was a plane that was coming in to make a landing, and it was pretty much in line with us, not at the exact height we wouldn't have touched, but you could see it coming. And it was a little nerve-wracking, but Michael was not necessarily nervous, and ATC was not nervous, and they just said, okay, go this direction to the left a little bit. And next thing you know, the plane was pretty much gone out of our sight, and it was landing on its own. I mean, how much fun is that, and how much... Well, for five seconds, it wasn't fun. (laughs) You want to fly as safe as you can. So talking to people on the ground who have radar, who know everything about what you're doing, makes things safer. It's a pretty big sky up there, and you don't need to talk to anybody, but most of us do. We are part of this system. There are rules and regulations and and things you have to do in order to be a part of that system. And I will only fly when I'm being talking to somebody who's on the ground, watching our aircraft, because that increases safety. So our flight was set up so that air traffic control knew who we were by a discrete code that they gave us. And I told them our plans. Fully radar. transparent. In some cases, you repeated it a few times. We're on a sightseeing trip. That's right. Air traffic control knows who we are. They will keep us away from any major aircraft activity. And they will tell us about traffic. We are in the same system as the major 747s that are flying around. The same air system is available to everybody. General aviation, commercial, business, jets, Everybody is in the system as long as you follow the rules. So a small guy like me could fly into a major airport. I'm allowed. I'm not going to land at the big airports because it's expensive. But every major city has a smaller associated airport. New York City has Teterboro. That smaller aircraft can use to get into the city and do whatever business they might want to do. We have Bradley Airport, but luckily... We also have Brainerd Airport, which is a much smaller airport that business jets would fly in and out so they can do business in the city of Hartford. And we're trying to encourage more of that in the city as a benefit to our manufacturing community. We did talk a little bit about this earlier. In addition to oversight from air traffic control, there are plenty of backup systems in place. We have two pilots in all major airplanes. That's what the industry standard is set up for, to have a pilot and a co-pilot of one fellow isn't well, which happens, the other fellow can take over. But technology has reached the point now where planes are good enough to fly automatically or even with one pilot who's just sitting monitoring the instruments and managing problems only if they rarely come up. Remember I mentioned redundancy. A airline, for example, has a huge amount of redundancy. So if one system fails, if one computer system fails, there's another one to take over. And the safety record of airplanes, again, is incredibly good. So the industry is moving forward to higher technology, better management, more efficient aircraft aerodynamically, uh, less fuel consumption. And it's exciting to watch. All the benefits of commercial aviation with the major airlines trickles down to the general aviation world. I receive the benefits of the technology that's been developed with airlines, for example in my aircraft. And I'm a small guy with a piston engine, single uh, propeller aircraft, but corporate jets, 
business travel, the smaller private industry airplanes have the same technology. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight Connecticut. You can find me on social media at MC News Talk. Like me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Michael, you fly a 1986 Piper Saratoga. And although it's nearly 40 years old, you've got new technology in it. In fact, I saw more screens in there than anything else. Airplanes don't deteriorate the same way that automobiles do, mostly because they fly up in the air. You don't have the ground contamination. You don't have rusting issues. Uh, most of the, many of our aircraft are hangered, so we don't have to worry about weather damage. And they're inspected in great detail by certified AMPs, we call them, aircraft and power plant certified technicians. Uh, so we take care of our airplanes differently than you might take care of your car. And you um, can upgrade the instruments with new technology as you wish. Now, we can fly with the most basic of instruments. We call them steam gauges. Everybody would be familiar with the altimeter or the attitude indicator. But even the training planes now have electronic avionics with two screens and all the possible information you could wish right at your fingertips. That's a new technology, and aviation is safer because we're moving forward with technology that wasn't around in 1986. Michael Tiger, a private pilot and certified flight instructor who is the president of the Hartford Brainerd Airport Association. One thing you're very vocal about, Michael, is America's pilot shortage. And it's an issue not just affecting America, but the world. Very much so. The next time I would put your hands on the controls, because there's a huge pilot shortage in America. And we're talking major pilot shortage because of COVID, early retirements, uh, and the industry will need tens of thousands of pilots in the next 20 or 30 years. Once you realize what a career path would be like for somebody, I can't tell you how exciting it would be for a young person to say, hey, maybe I could be a pilot. It's a wonderful career. It's lucrative. It's safe. Travel is exciting. Uh, but people just don't know how to get into that world. So encouraging. And people are always talking about the cost. Right. But like any career, if you go to a college and you want to head into medicine or law, there's going to be a cost associated. But the career path is doable for more people than you'd think. Becoming a private pilot is not difficult. It takes a commitment. Uh, it took me three years to get a pilot certificate while I was working, just doing one hour at a time. And eventually you accumulate time and experience. Many people go on to that as a career, and it's a wonderful career for a young person. So encouraging people to consider aviation because of the pilot shortage. Uh, the job opportunities are huge. And young people in their early 20s can all of a sudden be sitting in the right seat of a major airlines on their way to becoming captain of these incredibly exciting new uh, aircraft that are around. And Michael, from what I understand, there are opportunities for people to go learn more at Hartford Brainerd Airport. It's not necessarily this closed-off, secret, scary place. I would invite all your listeners to come down to the airport and just get a feel of what goes on at a general aviation airport. Nobody is disappointed. Nobody says they walk away saying that's kind of boring. Everybody thinks it's as cool as it can be, and they want to learn more. So the door is open. If people want to come down, we hope they do. So people can just go in, the average Joe? I learned how to fly by going down to the airport one Sunday 
uh, in July when there was nothing going on. I walked into a flight school. The flight instructor said, hey, you want to go up for a flight? I said, what the heck? It was a 30-minute intro flight, and I was hooked. And believe me, that's how it works for almost everybody. It's so exciting. It's so much fun. It grabs you. And if it grabs you, you just pursue it, and all of a sudden you're you're a pilot. My last question for you, Michael, is kind of a dumb one, I admit. This is something I've heard before, and I heard it plenty of times up in the sky with you. What is Niner? <laughs> Niner sounds clearly as nine, and we articulate our our words so that there's no ambiguity when people listen. So we use words instead of letters. Like alpha, beta. X for x-ray, nine for niner. There's communication speak in aviation. And when you say niner, nobody questions that it's a nine and not a ein or, you know, some other word. Something else. They know. Right. All right. One last time. I just love this audio. The revving up, the throttle going up. This was really a great experience, and Michael, I do appreciate it very much. Great Spotlight Connecticut episode because of it. I'm in the center line, I get a full throttle. And we're ready for takeoff. To me, this just made the show, and I'm glad the recording came out all right. Michael Tiger, president of the Hartford Brainerd Airport Association, and I hope that everybody learned a little bit more. What is general aviation? Hopefully people aren't necessarily as afraid anymore or as confused. I know I learned a lot. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.